Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. And welcome back to another edition of Kevin's Corner. We are one week out from the NFL Combine, which I feel like I always kind of carry the flag for the Combine. I think it's a more important week than um, a lot of kind of older NFL uh, people view it. And I think it's a unique event in that you have all these GMs, coaches, agents, prospects all in the city of Indianapolis. Um, You're not only checking just the combine aspect to the week. You have a lot of decisions, draft, trade, free agency, in-house stuff outside your own building. Uh, It's a really pivotal week for the NFL offseason. With free agency starting March 16th, it kind of, I think, is the foundation to what teams are going to do in the month of March. So next week we'll probably do a Wednesday pod. Frank Wright and Chris Bauer are supposed to talk on Tuesday, it sounds like, from the Combine. Uh, but for now, it's Eddie Garrison and I. Eddie back for another week. Chris Presley still feeling a little bit under the weather. So Eddie did an outstanding job on last week's podcast, and we'll once again do that today. Uh, just back from Florida, is that right? Yep. I uh, went to Tampa, watched a little bit of college softball with the girlfriend for a couple of days because – uh, and some vacation days, you know, you got to use that before the end of the month. Can't you take it with you. Brooks at the softball. I game? did, yeah. I was just wow. sitting in the stands watching uh, Florida State. And he's a Florida State alum. Uh, yes, yeah, he's a Florida State alum. I can't remember who they were playing, and then or Florida State was getting ready to play the game before us had just finished. Liv and I had left to go get our food. We come back up and they're like, "Hey, are you a football fan?" I'm like, "Yeah, I like football." Uh, and the, the lady next to me goes, she goes, well, that's Derek Brooks sitting right next to you guys. And we're like, oh, okay then. I'd tell you what, Derek Brooks in a batting cage could do some damage, I would think. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, he's still in shape at 48. Say, yeah, he still looks good. And- he strikes me as a dude that could still uh, you know, get you a couple tackles a game and obviously a lot of similarities and, and – comparisons to Darius Leonard and this defense and all that over the years yeah uh, we I didn't really want to talk football with him uh, I asked him one question the only question I asked him was who do you think is the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next season would you like to know who is responsible oh boy is? yeah Tom Brady whoa that's what he said thinks he's coming back he thinks Tom's coming back he doesn't think he's done yet you know it is interesting I was listening to Adam Schefter talk about it yesterday and he definitely didn't act like you know Sign, seal, and deliver. Done, done, done. So, uh, boy, uh, God bless the NFL offseason. And I uh, hope you enjoyed Florida. Eddie, and welcome back. And thanks, as always, for being able to fill in. Uh, today's pod, one of my favorites that we do, really this time kind of every year, we group the free agents, the in-house free agents of the Colts, into green, yellow, and red categories. Green is, um, I think you can make a decent case to bring these guys back. Obviously, for varying amounts, and we'll get into that. Uh, yellow, a little bit more on the fence. And red, I would say, no, nope, I'm good. Time to move on. The Colts have a lot of free agents this year. So far, they haven't re-signed a single one. Um, typically, that stuff you know, happens maybe early March. Again, the new league year, March 16th. Sometimes the Colts, let a lot of their free agents get to the open market, mm-hmm. and then they make a decision after that. So just because they get to the open market doesn't mean that it's absolutely done as well. And then uh, Twitter questions, of course, will be uh, next on the list. So, um, again, green, yellow, red. Uh, Eddie, let's begin with you kind of reading off who we have in the green category. 
and you'll read it in order of I think like most important to bring back, mm-hmm. and then kind of slowly gets into a little bit less importance. But the, these are all of the players that I would have in the green bring back category. You want to do a one by one or just list them all? How about if you read them all and then we can kind of, if you have any takeaways from it, we'll get into that. Um, I, I kind of have a few thoughts okay. as well. All right, so the first one is Chris Reed, and then Michael Badgley, Mo Cox, Zaire Franklin, Matt Pryor, Eric Fisher, Al Quddin Muhammad, Taekwon Lewis, and George Odom. So that's a lot that I have in there. Last year, I believe we only had three in the green category. <laughs> uh, I think Muhammad was actually one of the three. We had Danico Autry. Uh, we saw how that worked out. Uh, and we had Xavier Rhodes. Those were the three we had last year in the green category. Um, just kind of brief comments. I look at Chris Reed as your starter at right guard next year. I think I it's time to make a sacrifice financially. Um, you can make the argument, are you making a sacrifice in play? I mean, some would say no. Chris Reed played pretty well for you this past season. I thought it was interesting to note, though, Mark Lewinsky ended up finishing the year back to his normal right guard every snap duty. So I do think that is something to note. Chris Strausser is one of the few assistant coaches the Colts have retained from an offensive line standpoint. So I do think that is something to note. We'll get to Glowinski a little bit later. I look at Michael Badgley as the leader in the kicking competition for this offseason. Mo Alley Cox bring back and make other additions at tight ends. Then after that, Eddie, I could probably get into a little bit of debate. Isaiah Franklin, nice special teams player, you know, bring some leadership. That unit had a lot of success this season. Matt Pryor, I think it's an important kind of depth piece. I know a lot of people probably push back on Eric Fisher. That is probably, I think, a surprise to some to see in the green category. We can't live in ideal world. We've got to live in reality. Yep. And the reality is this. You can't address every need with the premium resource. And you guys have heard me say this so often on the podcast. There's been no bigger drafting mistake to me Um in the Chris Ballard era, and I and I say that from a pick usage standpoint, not from a they've actually made selections at this position and just it hasn't worked out. That would be the defensive line. Yeah. But they just haven't drafted offensive tackles. It's wild. Again, Braden Smith not taken to be an offensive tackle. So they're in a position right now, similar to quarterback in a way, I guess. But again, I think quarterbacks is just a different animal. You just don't have anybody on your roster that you can pass the torch to. You know, at defensive end right now, I mean, I guess Quiddy Pay, Dayo Adangbo, like, you know, you could go through the offseason, not make a move there, and point to those guys. You know, you could look at corner last offseason and say, well, you know, we think Rocky's seen. We think Isaiah Rodgers. Okay, that, that makes a little sense. You just don't have that at left tackle. Now, some will say, what about Matt Pryor at left tackle? Eddie, the guys had one NFL start there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not saying here are the keys to being a left tackle starter and, you know, you're blocking the blind side of whoever's the QB. I also think this answer is a lot of it's obviously short term and you're really hoping Fisher makes a big leap two years removed from the Achilles. Um, I, agree. I think that is a huge process in that. So, again, I know there's probably better, there is better left tackle options in free agency. You're not going to draft a guy in the second round and he's going to come in here and start from day one. I just think that's unrealistic to expect. I still think you could come back and spend. You could re-sign Fisher, spend a second round or third round pick on a left tackle, 
that guy might be, you know, your top backup this year. And then maybe in 2023, that's when he takes over. Um, Al-Kadim Muhammad, Tyquan Lewis, Eddie, I look at those two guys as nice rotational pieces. That can play a lot for your D-line. And then George Odom, you know, safety I think is interesting. Does Gus Bradley want to use more safeties? You know, I, I think George Odom has earned a uh, another contract here in Indy. I do too. And to go back to Eric Fisher, he is 31 right now. Now, the one thing I think that benefits the Colts, KB, is the fact that he was so hit or miss in pass protection that it may turn a lot of teams off or away from him, that it may lower the value. You may be able to sign him to like a one-year, two-year deal with fewer money or less dollars attached, I should say, and that helps you spend in some other areas that you do need to address in the offseason. Plus, you're one of the teams, or you are the team that got to see his rehab throughout the course of the season and how he improved health-wise from recovering that Achilles that could put you at an advantage when it comes to time to spend some money. No, I think that's a great point, and it's kind of the point that I'm trying to drive home here, Eddie. Usually the week before for agency, we do a, or I do a, ideal blueprint. This is my ideal blueprint for the Colts this offseason. We'll, we'll do that, you know, in the week before for agency. As I've started to think about that ideal blueprint, you know, again, you've got four or five serious needs. You can't get to all of them with serious resources. So that's where I look at Fisher and think, if you believe in the medicals, which is the most important thing, and again, I don't yeah. know. you know, No one truly knows. The Colts obviously have much better intel into that than I would. If they believe in it, that's where I see Fisher falling into the green category. So I could see uh, a guy like Mo Alley-Cox possibly falling down to that yellow category for myself just because he's been here for so long, and it's yeah, like— fair. I think we've gotten all the production or as much production as you can get out of out of a guy like that. Sometimes when I watch him play, even from a blocking standpoint, he's not consistent. And you bring him in there sometimes as that extra blocker to help out, and it's like, okay, what's the point? I could use that position to, for an actual skills position. Um, and if a guy like uh, – Oh, who uh, Mike Gesicki is there on the open market. I think the Colts are all in and try to make a run on Gesicki because they've talked about in recent, uh, in the last couple seasons and off seasons that tight end is a major, major area that they have to address because you look at Travis Kelsey, you look at Mark Andrews, those guys have hurt the Colts for years and they have been a big reason to the success offensively of both the Ravens and the Chiefs. Um, I think tight end has some interesting names in free agency. Um I also believe this to the Alley Cox point, and and you, you you certainly make some good points there, Eddie. You know, if Jack Doyle is retiring, then all you've got at tight end is Kylan Granson. Right. So you, you're losing a lot there in the number one and two tight end spots. Alley Cox is also 28 years old, and I know that that is kind of like middle of the pack in terms of age. But you got to remember, his football life is pretty young. You know, it's not 28 necessarily of like, this dude has played football since he was 12 or 13. Right. He's not in that boat there. Um, So I think, I'm not ever thinking of like, well, Cox will be a pro bowler one day. No, no, no. I I think, you know, we we do have a section of the fan base that is in that kind of wishful thinking (laughs) category still. But I still think there could be a little bit more there to tap into. Um, And if nothing else, even if he doesn't reach – a little bit more. I still think as a nice rotational tight end, he is needed there. Um, all right, let's. anything else in the green category, or should we move on to the yellow? Uh, we can move on to, to the yellow now. Okay, a few less names in yellow. Uh, and again, this is me kind of being on the fence. 
Uh, feel free, Eddie, to rattle those off in order of um, could kind of see bring back to mm, I don't really know. Kamoko Ture, T.Y. Hilton, Taylor Stallworth, Matthew Adams, and Zachary Pascal. Okay, obviously you got Hilton as a retirement candidate as well. Um, I know he's been in the facility lately, so I, you know, I, I don't know if he's still thinking about you know, playing. Um, it is kind of interesting to me. We're now over a month into mm-hmm. the offseason. We haven't heard anything on Doyle or Hilton from an official standpoint. Let's start with Ture. Um, gosh, man. You know, this year he did have his most sack production of his career. Uh, it was his healthiest season since his rookie year. So, I mean, those are things to note, certainly, with him. I would probably lean towards giving him a one-year prove-it deal, hoping that that gets drilled into his brain and he's got a breakout season. Mm-hmm. That's probably where I'm at with it. Having said that, I totally get if the Colts are just kind of fed up with it and being like, Guys, we, we, you know, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're hoping, we're hoping. Physically, he hasn't been there. You know, mentally, I I, I think they they almost kind of want to just get him by the shoulder and say, Kamoko, realize, you know, yeah. everything you have here with this talent as well. Um, it, he just strikes me as a could go somewhere else and produce. Um, so that's why I've got him at the top of the yellow category here. Again, you hear Ballard talk of, I want to rotate guys in. I want depth up front. So you do need some bodies along your defensive line. Um, But I also feel like, man, if you can upgrade with a little bit more proven, a little bit more reliable, then maybe Ture is expendable. Ture could have a little bit of a market. There could be some team that's going to say, all right, we really like to come out of the draft. We think a change of scenery will do him well. We'll give him a little bit more than his production has shown, thinking, hoping, praying that he'll – cash in on that totally agree and from his perspective too he could be in that mindset of i just i just want a fresh start i want to get somewhere new where it's like okay i can put all the injuries beside past myself have like a fresh start feel rejuvenated away have a little more energy next thing you know he signs like a one-year two-year deal with a player option or a team option on that second year somewhere else and he breaks out and then he's on the open market again and he secures a big contract or somewhat of a big contract and we talked about this last week on the pod when we were recapping the super bowl when you get into the playoffs it's about players Mm -hmm. versus depth right especially pass rush Yes, because you guys have, you have guys like Trey Hendrickson, Von Miller, obviously Aaron Donald, and then Leonard Floyd. Those were dudes. Yeah, individual rushers that yeah. just go make a play. Yeah, you didn't see the, the second or third string guy coming in and making plays, and, although that would be nice. And even Ture's skill set is different than Pay. I think he's the more the bendy kind of speed guy, mm-hmm. um, whereas Pay, I think, a little bit more um, diversity, really, to his pass rush, which you know makes Pay effective in his own right there. Um, I'm probably still in the Hilton can give you something more than a lot of people think. I'm not acting like Hilton can give you much, but again, I would sleep better at night knowing T.Y. Hilton was in my wideout room than a lot of these other wideouts on the <laughs> team, which is not a ringing endorsement for your position group. I like Taylor Saulworth. You know, he really had a very good season rotating in, mm-hmm. I think, as a third defensive tackle. Um, I thought he finished the season really, really strong. I think he had 12 quarterback hits, which is a huge number for Mm -hmm. 
you know, rotational defensive tackle there. Matthew Adams, final special teams, Zach Pascal. I don't uh, If Chris Bauer is making the list, he'd probably have Pascal higher, but I can't put him any higher than that. And I know some would probably have him totally off this list. But um, So, yeah, that is the yellow group. Any of those you would bump to green or knock down to red? Uh, not really. Uh, the one name that we never really touched on was Matthew Adams. I yeah. think he's just one of those guys that's easy, easy replace, easily replaceable. Yeah. There we go. I mean, he played one defensive snap last year, so yes, um, I would agree. Probably e- easily replaceable, but again, at the same time, like if he's content with this being his career, sure. All right, red, uh, darker red to lighter red. Uh, your first one is Xavier Rhodes. Uh, I'll just break these down from defense first, and then we can go on the offensive cool. side because that's how you have it listed here. In the, oh, yeah, on, that is. I, I, I don't even think I meant to do that. I don't think you did either. I no. think it just kind of happened. Right. Uh, Xavier Rhodes is your first name, then Andrew Sandejo, TJ Carey, Isaac Rochelle, Antoine Woods. Those are your defensive uh, players that are in the red, and ironically, it's from darker to lighter red as well. Yeah, and – you know, I, Rhodes, I'm a little worried about father time. Um, Especially plus, with the injuries, the soft tissue injuries that started right, which to really, has never really pile up. really been a thing in his career, but it was this past year. And now I'm kind of like, all right, at 31, is this him? Yeah. Um, and it, with Kenny Moore and Rocky Seen, Isaiah Rogers, I think that's a good start of a trio there that I can rely on. I thought him and TJ Carey both, Chris, took a step, Chris. Eddie. Um, took a step back with their play on the field and their health as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a bad combination at that age. The TJ Carey situation really str- is really odd because he got hurt early. Yeah. And, and then just, he was just like disappeared. Right. And I felt like when he was on the field, he struggled a bit. You know, last year he was ahead of Rocky Scene to end the year. Mm-hmm. I, and by last year, I mean 2020 season. Uh, that certainly was not the case this year. Uh, Rochelle and Woods, just rotational guys that don't need, I mean, Rochelle's a Notre Dame guy, and I don't know, he pl- barely produced, really. Um, so I'm not going to play favoritism whatsoever there. I know he, uh, the fans like him and his wife's TikToks, so. I, I, yes, I do know they're very active on that form of social media there. I think I'd get exposed on that social media, so I'm not <laughs> taking part in TikTok. And I really hope Rosie never takes part in TikTok as well as a controlling father at, already at the age of 20 months. Um, okay, offensive guys in the red category. Who do we got there? Uh, your first player was Marlon Mack, then Sam Tevy, Mark Lewinsky, and Julian Davenport. You know, the Marlon Mack thing, Eddie, it's, it brings a little tear to my eye. Mm-hmm. But it's just the reality of that position. It's the reality of suffering the injury he did. It was kind of crazy that you know, he had that 1,000-yard season. 2019, I think it was? Yes. And then they draft Jonathan Taylor in April, and that just started to go downhill. You know, the drafting of Taylor was the writing on the wall of, oh wow, Marlon Mack is not getting a second contract this offseason. You know, after a thousand yard season, he's a young guy. He's very young um, in his NFL career. He's only twenty five. You thought, oh well, you know, he might, you know, fourth round pick, he might deserve a contract extension. But no, they don't do that, and I, I totally agree with it. Um, I thought it was a possibility, but when you draft Taylor, there's no point in it. And then he tears Achilles that first game against Jacksonville, and that was just, you know, unfortunately the nail in the coffin. Tried to trade him last year, and uh, what was he, healthy scratch for at least 10 games. So, unfortunately, Marlon Mack needs to find a running back room that does not have 
the money or the draft picks invested into it that Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor have invested into them. The Glowinski one, I have him this low financially. I agree. That's why. Because, again, you can't pay top dollar at every offensive line position. I'm bringing back Chris Reed, so to me, Mark Glowinski is expendable. Now, again, this is me, Eddie, but I want to reiterate, to end last year, it was Glowinski retaking his starting job back and retaking, most importantly, playing every snap back at that right guard spot. Um, I'm trying to think. Do you remember the Hard Knocks episode? Didn't Strasser like ask Chris Reed, "Do you prefer to play left guard or right guard?" And didn't he almost say like left guard? Didn't he say? I left can't guard? remember. But I know what you're talking about. We did that Arizona about. game. You know, they're all on the Zoom, and I'm trying to think back to that. Um, so, you know, can Chris Reed play right guard? I mean, he has. You know, maybe it's not his favorite position in the world, but I kind of look at it as, all right, both guys are the same age. You got to get cheaper there. I do want to acknowledge. Mark Lewinsky has been extremely durable and available over the past few years. And I know he's probably oftentimes been the fifth best offensive lineman here in Indy, but still his availability I think has been important while all those other guys have battled respective injuries. Um, so, yeah, anybody you stand out on this list, good, bad, and different here, it sounds like you're in the same Glowinski campus, me. Yeah, I agree. I was just trying to find his PFF grades from this past season, but I couldn't pull it up quick enough. But yeah, I think you hit the the nail with the hammer there um, with all these guys. I, I didn't think he was poor, poor this year. Um, feel free if you find that PFF grade, go ahead and look that up um, if you want to a little bit more, because I would be curious on that. Um, it's Trace Jackson Davis's birthday today. Boy, not the uh, not the birthday present last night. You know, Tyrese Halliburton's like a week younger than Trace Jackson Davis. Really? Yeah. How crazy is that? You know, Devin Booker and Chris Duarte are the same age. Yeah, I know. The ages. You know, I've gotten to the point now, and you're you're certainly younger than me, Eddie. But I've gotten to the point now where like every player on the Colts roster is younger than me. I really think everybody is. I don't know. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody that's like obviously older than me. But Jack Doyle is always young for his grade, and so they uh, PFF had Mark Lewinsky as a better run blocker than pass blocker in terms of grade. Uh, his his run blocking grade was a seventy. His pass blocking grade was a sixty two and a half, and then his overall was a seventy. And according to PFF, he only had two penalties this year and only allowed two sacks. Does it say where he ranks among guards? Um, let me see if I can find that. I would think you'd be saving, if I'm not mistaken, Glowinski made like $7 million this past year, and Chris Reed made, made like a million. So, again, at some point, you just you have to make sacrifices. Um, and that's where I'm looking at things right now with the Colts. Um, okay, so that wraps up green, yellow, red, ranking the free agents. Again, a lot of free agents this year. 21st for Glowinski in the NFL. Um, I, I can certainly hear arguments kind of shuffling some of those people around their respective color categories there. Um, again, next week's podcast, we'll kind of recap Chris Bowden and Frank Reich, what they say probably the week after that, the blueprint, my ideal offseason blueprint, and then we'll get into – uh, for agency, it's going to begin, and the dominoes will start to fall. Uh, but unless you have any other thoughts, Eddie, let's get into Twitter questions. Um, I do not. The first question comes from Mario. 
This hurts to say, but if the Bengals offer a first and a third round pick for Ryan Kelly and we and a fourth, we have to take it. We recoup our picks from the Wentz trade and then get to package Wentz for two first rounds and a second for Russell Wilson. Ooh. Thanks and aloha from Hawaii. Wow, Mario, aloha to you, brother. And that, boy, that sounds like a Hawaii dream to me. Can you imagine getting Ryan Kelly for a first and third rounder? Um, Yeah, that, that that's not, I mean, Mario, I hate to say it, but that, that's not realistic. And I get that you're sending a fourth as well, but I mean, Ryan Kelly's battled some injuries. And again, what we have to keep on coming back to here is how do other teams value interior offensive line? Uh-huh. You know, that is what is such a big debate, I think. And the Colts are an outlier. Just because the Colts do doesn't mean, you know, the other 31 teams value it in that light. I get it. Cincinnati might consider themselves a bit desperate and whatnot, but boy, I cannot see them wanting to give up a first and a third for Ryan Kelly there. And then and then you would turn around and uh, and if I'm not mistaken, for two first rounders, I would think Russell Wilson would probably deserve a little bit more than that, to be honest with you. I agree. And if I'm not mistaken, um, I think the main areas of improvement for the Bengals' offensive line were the two guard positions rather than the center. I think the I think their biggest needs were left and right guard and then borderline right tackle. Yeah, because they got Jonah Williams out there at. Left tackle. Left tackle, who they drafted pretty high. Um, I'm not not mistaken. Didn't they trade their center? Wasn't Billy Price their center? They traded for the start of the year. Yeah, I think... Hopkins played center for him. Yeah, I think they traded uh, Price because he had some battling injuries. Just wanted to give him a fresh start. And uh, it's like, all right, if we're going to get something for him, let's... So when you think about that, I just can't see them valuing center at that level, Mario. So... Um, having said that, you live in Hawaii, and we do not, so our life sucks compared to you. So, Mario, thank you for listening to the podcast, and aloha. Yeah, I agree with <laughs> I agree with KB there. This question comes from Tanner. I know Hall of Fame topics weren't brought up with the Wentz drama on the last pod, but do you think Wayne, Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney, and Robert Mathis get into the Hall of Fame before Brady does in five years? Boy, Tanner, I'm glad you brought this up because I, I, I'm pretty – I'm pretty fired up about this. I don't get how Reggie Wayne, first off, did not get in the Hall of Fame this past year, Eddie, and he wasn't even a top 10 guy. You know, you have 15 quote-unquote finalists. Yep. You cut that 15 to 10, and in the same day, you cut the 10 to 5, and you see the five-person class that just came up with. And by the way, the five-person class that just went in is probably one of the more blah Hall of Fame classes I've seen in a while. Uh, Reggie Wayne did not make the cut from 15 to 10. Neither did Torrey Holt. Um, Andre Johnson did. So you would think, theoretically, Andre Johnson's ahead of Reggie Wayne. Typically, they don't put multiple wideouts in on, uh, you know, multiple wideouts in in a class. So um, I, I just got issues with the Hall of Fame selection process. You need to be picking the best five guys year in and year out because I think how quickly you get into the Hall of Fame is an indicator of how good of a player. Uh huh. You are. You know, first ballot means something to me. So I don't care how long people have been waiting. Like Sam Mills this year went in and he was the last. This was his last year of eligibility. So this dude's been on the ballot for 20 some years, Eddie. And you're telling me. Wow. That he only goes in because, you know, it's his last year of eligibility. And like, it's not like Sam Mills' candidacy all of a sudden turned. You know, oh, wow, he added three more all-pro years, and he added, you know, all these defensive – no, like, I, I 
I just have some issues with the Hall of Fame process. Marvin Harrison having to wait three years to go in was an utter joke. Um, Reggie Wayne, his postseason career. I was about to say that. That's the intriguing part about the Andre Johnson over Reggie Wayne is that I, I don't know what Andre's regular season stats were, but I feel like he wasn't the same. They're not as like earth-shattering, right. dwarfing Reggie Wayne as you would think or maybe you would believe. And Reggie didn't have many years as the guy. Right. Because he always had Marvin. And I know that the, you know, people counter with, well, look at Andre Johnson's quarterbacks. Sure, but like that shouldn't diminish what Reggie Wayne has done either as well. So, Tanner, this is a tough one for me. I I, I assume Rain, Wayne will get in. You know, as far as Freeney and Mathis, you know, first ballers next year, you've got Darrell Rivas and Joe Thomas. Ooh. In, in, right? You don't even really need to think too much mm-hmm. about them. Um, so, boy, I, I wish I had some. I've always been on the I think Mathis deserves it more than Freeney because I think he has got more strip sacks, and that to me um, is a huge, huge element to it. I know some people have countered with kind of the PED stuff, and you know who knows. I think there's conflicting reports on what exactly that was with the Mathis situation, but I would put Mathis in. Um, but again, Tanner, I don't have a whole lot of hope. I assume Wayne goes in, but I don't think it's going to happen here in the next few years. I agree. And if you look at this year's class in general, like Tony Baselli, Bryant Young, it's like all these dudes that have been on the ballot for years and years, and I'm like. They've been on that there for a reason. Like, uh-huh. you know, to me, Reggie Wayne deserves to be in, uh, but clearly the Hall of Fame selectors do not think that. Uh, this one coming from Brian. Good morning, Kevin. Sorry, I was swallowing a little water. Um, good morning, Brian. Thank you. I know. I saw that. I was like, probably not the. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll get there. Could have yeah, strung that out just a little bit. Uh, I didn't want to be rude to Brian. I uh, love your podcast and love your show. Only good part of a drive to work in the morning. My question is, what Carson Strong? My question is, what about Carson Strong for a long-term option at quarterback? If we get a third-round pick for Carson Wentz and use the second for Strong, that's still two quality picks and a good foundation at quarterback. Thank you, I hope, uh, and am excited to hear my first question answered. Well, welcome, Brian, to the Twitter question form of Kevin's Corner, and appreciate the kind words there. For those that don't know, Carson Strong, quarterback out of Nevada, was at the Senior Bowl. I think probably one of the more like 15 to 20 year ago ideal quarterback in the NFL. Think like big, stationary, pretty good accuracy, like those sorts of things. Um, I know there's some questions about his medicals. So I think that is something you've got to point out here, Brian. The other thing is, and I'm a believer in this. I don't know how much the Colts are a believer in it, but I think today's NFL and the new age of quarterbacks has indicated this. I need some mobility from my quarterback. I don't need Mike Vick. I don't need, you know, hell, I don't need Doug Flutie. But I need somebody that can keep some plays alive. You know, I think Burrow is like a good athletic, keep some things alive, scramble for a first down when when, when need be. Hell, I thought Stafford actually made a couple plays with his legs. I didn't really know that he had in him either uh, in the playoffs. I don't even think Carson Strong can get you that. It sounds like it's very, very immobile. Like, mm-hmm. So that would be concerning to me, and therefore that's why I would probably bypass it. Yeah, that is such a big part now in the NFL at that position. I think it, you need it, man. You got 
the X's and O's can only get you so far. Um, and I think the game has evolved a little bit to where you you just need that threat. Um, so yeah, I, I would pass on Carson Strong. Could be in large part of a guy that could be retiring, but we don't know in terms of Aaron Rodgers. Right, I was gonna say that was <laughs> that was pretty cryptic this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, know what what Rodgers are doing. Uh, I don't either. I don't think anybody does outside of himself. <laughs> That's very fair. Uh, this one coming from Patrick. I really hope that the Colts don't just release Wentz. We have to trade or keep him. I feel that uh, no other free agent is going to be any better than he is. Do you think that Wentz value could be a second and a third or fourth round pick? I'm also thinking a team like the Steelers, Panthers, and possibly the Commanders could be teams that could be interested. What do you think? Ah, the Commanders. Does sound weird to hear that name. Um, you know, I'm a little torn on this, Eddie. I taking on his contract situation isn't ideal. You know, I guess you can opt out here. the The team can after this year. Um, but Patrick, I think makes really good points about you look at the free agency class, and then you also got to counter with you look at the draft class, Eddie. You know, we had some rookies come in here and start from day one this past year at the quarterback position, or certainly eventually start for their respective teams. I mean, there's probably an argument to be made, maybe Kenny Pickett, but we might not see a single quarterback, rookie QB, start from day one, maybe let alone even in this rookie season. So uh, that should, I would think, help drive up some interest in Wentz. Having said that, the Colts have clearly gone out of their way and not creating any sort of leverage for them in this situation. We'll see how that plays out over the next couple of weeks. Um, but do I think Wentz's value could be a second and a third or a fourth? I No, I, I can't. I mean, it was just a forced first and a third. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's only gone down just that much. So I, I, I do not think it could be that rich. I think that is... What do you think his value would Wishful be? Thinking, just a second or just a third, depending on the team. It's kind of where I'm at. You know, if you're one of those teams, Eddie, it's kind of like a one-year trial with Wentz. Yeah, so you have him con- you have him under contract through 2024, but again, there's that out after 2022. Boy, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking third or set. You know. Because a lot of people around the NFL, while the pool of quarterbacks available, realistically available this offseason, is not great at all. You also have to look at it and be like, guys, Frank Reich is saying no to Carson Wentz. What does that mean? What is that telling us? Yeah. And how many, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, how many quarterbacks, Eddie, have gotten a third chance to lead a franchise before the age of 30? I can't think of any. You know, obviously you see Favre or Brady or, you know, whoever else that has gotten multiple chances. Brady, I guess only two, but... Andy Dalton? (laughs) (laughs) No. Yes and no. I mean, obviously. um, Nick Foles? If you even want to... Yeah, but again, like... I'm talking about, like, you're drafted to lead a franchise. Right. You then move on to lead a franchise, and then you do it for a third time. Like, you can point to two. I don't think you can point to three chances Mm -mm. before the age of 30 again. So that, to me, is just another of, like, guys, the Colts are saying no without any obvious answer. There's no Trey Lance. 
at West 56 right now. So I think that would be scary as well, Patrick. Uh, this question coming from Adam. A surprise name for the 2022 Colts quarterback, Matthew Stafford. It's obviously Whoa. a ridiculous long shot that Sean McVay and Aaron Donald both retire, but let's hypothetically say they do. Would Les need blow it all up, and would the Colts be interested in Stafford now for a similar price as last year? Whoa. Um, okay. Creative? Uh, it, it's certainly that. Give Adam credit for that. I don't believe this is happening. I don't see this happening. Um, who the hell is the Rams' backup? Uh, John Wolford. Oh, my God. See the guy that started last year when they won that playoff game? Or golf, did golf play through the injury? I, I keep on golf played through the injury, but I think he came in. Maybe that was it. Um, boy, this is out there. Doesn't sound like McVeigh is retiring, right? No, the, is, the fiance I mean, put it out there. Yeah, just take one look at that fiance. Whatever she says goes. I mean, holy <laughs> hell, there. Better um, hope the wife doesn't hear this. Well, <laughs> I don't think Maddie's about 30, 40 minutes deep into the podcast. and She has to listen to you enough at home anyway. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, Ross, my brother-in-law, he's getting back from the Daytona 500. He might still be struggling this late in the week, so I don't even know if he's listening to it either, <laughs> although he's so loyal. He probably is. Um, yeah, this is kind of wild to me. I, I don't – you know, let's just play – Along here, McVeigh retires and Aaron Donald. Like the Rams are still in a situation where Aaron Donald is a gargantuan loss. Oh yeah, obviously. But like they still have a team capable of making the playoffs without Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not saying they could win a Super Bowl, but uh, they would still have a team capable, I think, of making it to the postseason. There, so I don't know if they'd be in total blow up mode there. Yeah, Adam, I'm gonna say no. I appreciate the creative thinking. And would the trade package be similar? I, I, I think it would be more. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. I I I hear you out. I, I would think similar. Um, I, I I hear you out on more. Stafford would have some leverage. One less year on the contract. Those sorts of things. Obviously, a year older, as well. And then plus from the Rams side of it, they don't have many picks. Right. So they would want to cash in big time. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't. Think, I I don't think this is realistic, Adam. Uh, this one coming from Creighton. Let me know your thoughts on Colin Coward's wins comments. Okay, so did you did you see these? Uh, maybe. I can't confirm or deny. Okay. <laughs> uh, for those that missed it, Colin Coward did one of his blind resumes next to Carson Wentz. Okay. And the blind resume was Josh Allen. And I think the big stat in the blind resume, if I'm not mistaken, was touchdown to interception ratio. Mm-hmm. I think touchdown to interception ratio is one of the lazier ways to evaluate quarterbacks. Agreed. You know, think back to some of Carson Wentz's touchdowns last year. Eddie, uh, the little push pass to Naeem Hines counts as a touchdown pass. Uh-huh. Hines just jet sweeps it in the end zone pretty much. The T.Y. Hilton. The T.Y. Lucky. Hilton one. The screen to Jonathan Taylor in San Francisco. Like, <laughs> yes, they're touchdown passes, but... Wentz did nothing, you know, mm-hmm. or, or you know, could have gone disastrous in the sense of the Raiders game. So I, I just think 
you get in situations around the goal line and you throw the ball or Jonathan Taylor gets stuffed and instead of him getting the end zone, you decide to shovel pass it for a touchdown or something like that. So um, I also thought it was weird. It was Coward doing these things. I'm thinking to myself, Coward is like Chris Bauer's boy. Uh huh. Is he like literally thinking Carson Wentz is a lot better? Is he trying to drive up trade value for his boy? I'm like, where is he going with this? Um, I, the whole Carson Wentz, like, advocates lately on Twitter and social media. Been interesting. Has been really odd because they're, very, like, coming out of left field. Very odd. Um, my eye test says everything I need to know, and Josh Allen is an infinitely better quarterback than Carson Wentz. Like, you give Josh Allen Jonathan Taylor, I think Josh Allen's going to utilize that a little bit better than – and also, we don't account for Josh Allen's, what, 700 yards rushing? Oh, uh, yeah, he had. right. This past year, so, um, and the weapons that he has at his disposal. <laughs> my biggest thing with Wentz is this, Eddie. You paid him Tom Brady type money. We're paying him Tom Brady type money this past year, mm-hmm. and he played like Taylor Heineke. <laughs> yeah. And return on investment at the quarterback position. And I'm not even talking about what you gave up for him. I'm just talking strictly cap. But then the fact that you also gave up a first-round, third-round pick, that would make me even more mad mm-hmm. with that situation there. So um, I I don't think for one second I've ever said on this podcast that I think Carson Wentz is dead or the 30th best quarterback in the NFL. No, 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 no. I saw kind of... 18 to 20 ish level QB. And I need 5 to 10 if I'm running the show. And that's not even factoring in again the investment you made. I'm just saying to win at a high level in the NFL, I need 5 to 10 quarterback play ranking. And then you factor in investment and know that I paid and am paying for top 10 quarterback level and I got Taylor Heineke level. That's where I'm having an issue. With this, so um, I should I say I respectfully disagree with Colin Coward, or is that too soft? I just disagree with him. I, I don't know if I respectfully disagree. Go all the way in, KB. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I, I I thought it was thought it was pretty stupid, to be honest with you. I agree. And Touchdown interception, the key metrics, and the Colts will tell you this. Frank Reich will tell you this. Completion percentage, yards per attempt are much better metrics to evaluate quarterback play. When you look at that, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz was in the 20s. And again, the Josh Allen thing, I just, I, I don't think it tells a full full story there. I think you can make statistics tell a story that you want, you don't want it to tell. Sure. You can make statistics. It's a word that I hate to use, and that's spin. You can spin a lot of things with yep. statistics. No, I, 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 think it's a, I think it's well put. Uh, and to your point, I... Five to ten would be nice, but I think in today's NFL you can win with like seven to twelve, just because of how deep that position is. Yeah, that, that's probably fair. Um, I do think there comes a point in time where, especially in January, you need it. Oh yeah, to ratchet up a notch, and yeah, I Colin, I disagree. This one from Britty: If Ballard is higher on our wide receiver room than Colts fans, what will he draft for in the second round if it? Does if he doesn't think we need a wide receiver? Oh, interesting. Give 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 that to me one more time. This one from Brady. If Ballard is higher on the Colts wide receiver room than Colts fans, what will he draft for in the second round if he doesn't think we need a wide receiver? Okay. Well, my first question would be Brady. What are you doing for agency? 
you know, you got north of 40 million. Is that defensive end? Is that tight end? Um, you know, what? where's your quarterback money? Again, I do not think Carson Wentz is going to be the starter week one. So that's obviously a massive domino. Um, what about left tackle in the second round? You know, is that a route that you would go down there? Sounds like it's a very deep edge rush class in the draft. You've drafted a whole lot of them. Mm-hmm. You know me, man. It's like a golf outing. Keep swinging the driver. Don't you dare <laughs> grab the three-wood. I don't care if you're trying to work on your swing because you're playing with your father-in-law next week. Screw it. Use the driver every bleeping hole. Is that your motto? Keep swinging. It's a golf outing, man. Just keep swinging. <laughs> Hit the driver and go find it. I agree. Lord knows you have one cheater in your group that'll say, oh, yeah, <laughs> it up here, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, little sisters of the poor outing. Who cares? It's all going for a good cause. <laughs> you know, um, left tackle. That's where I'm going to go there. D end and tight end and free agency, maybe. So then you get the draft. It's left tackle. I mean, I, I again, I still think quarterback should be explored in the draft. I, I get that you're not drafting very high, but I wouldn't slam the door shut there. I wouldn't either. Connor's up next. Hey, KB, hope you are all well. Thank you, Connor. Question for the pod if you have time. I feel Balor lacks confidence in his ability to draft a franchise quarterback. Took a year and a half to cut Eason after making him quarterback two. Balor is a knight in perfect armor, but missing a sword if he can't bring in a franchise quarterback. Is it possible to keep Ballard and bring in an ultra quarterback focused OC or scout that can be delegated to the quarterback search? Oh. Wow, perfect knight and perfect armor. You might. You've got some creative followers. You had Chris Ballard in an acting role in that sense. You'd have some Carmel Westfield moms I would probably really like uh, like (laughs) that that situation. Um, It's a very good question here by Connor. Um, I I do think Ballard's afraid to swing. He's admitted, I think, that he realizes that – you really only get one true swing at quarterback in the draft as a GM. Um, yeah, is it possible to keep Boward and bring in an ultra QB focused OC or scout? Like, isn't that Reich? You know, Supposed to be. Frank Reich has minimal, minimal interaction with the defensive side of the ball, which I understand. I'm not ripping Frank Reich for that. Like, he's more of an offensive mind. He's more of a quarterback mind. So, uh, Connor, I, I understand. Th- the premise, but you hired Frank Reich for his quarterback knowledge. You could say that that knowledge has not led to some results in areas, but in my NFL roster building belief, you find the answer in the draft and you grow and develop. So are you going to give Frank Reich a chance to do that? We'll see. This is a question for me. Okay. Something I feel like that doesn't get talked about enough. Could Frank Reich and and possibly even Chris Ballard hate rookie quarterbacks? We've seen some coaches have like um, reservations about yeah. drafting or addressing it with like a guy who's a rookie or first or second year player at that position. You know, I always thought it's a good question, Eddie. I always thought there was kind of some murky waters on like committing to 
inevitably a little bit of a rebuild you have with a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. And rebuild's probably too harsh a word because, you know, you retool. Yeah. Kevin Pritchard there, retool. That was very nice. You, you see teams win with, you know, quarterbacks on rookie contracts. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously in Kansas City, they drafted Mahomes at the end of the Ballard tenure there. Wait on him a little bit. For the most part, it was Alex Smith. In Chicago, I feel like in those years, it was mostly kind of veterans, Orton, Grossman, mm-hmm. whoever. Um, and then in Philly, you know, they drafted Wentz, but that was the first-year head coach, and mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of like they really felt like they had to make that move. Um, yeah, fair. And I just also felt like they didn't think they were that far off. You know, I mean, the Pagano era, it's not like right. you were horrific. Um so, I do think that is that is part of it. All right, we got a few more. This one from Michael. Would you give up three future first-round picks, not including this year, obviously, for a quarterback like Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, or even Deshaun Watson? Well, Russell Wilson, I would. Deshaun Watson, I would if he didn't have the off-the-field issues. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyler Murray, probably not. I worry a little bit about Kyler as kind of a leader being that peak at the quarterback position. And as much as I love watching him play, Eddie, I do think there will come a point in time where father time kind of hits him. You know, can he sustain things in the league at that level? Um, I don't know. I I don't love how he carries himself at times. Yes. His body language is horrible. And maybe my standards for quarterback a little bit too high, but I need a little something more there. Uh, I agree. Trevor is up next. Can any team win a Super Bowl with Carson Wentz? If the Rams Bengals replace their starting quarterback with him, how far would they have gone? Well, that's an interesting question, Trevor. Uh, they would not have won a Super Bowl. I certainly know that. Um, I mean, let's think back to their respective playoff runs. The Bengals could have lost in round one. So could the Rams. Not technically round one, but... Yeah, I mean, the Rams beat the Cardinals pretty handily, but they definitely could have lost to the Bucks. Yep. You know, I mean, it... it so basically, what I'm getting at is you needed those guys. You, you you need your quarterback to make plays to separate. Um, you know, if you look at Stafford's numbers in the postseason, it dwarfs what Carson Wentz. You know, his averages are, and you know, he they, won them every like single game after Arizona. Yeah, made some huge plays to win him those those respective win them those respective games. So. Um, no, again, Cincinnati, LA, they would not have won the Super Bowl. You know, could they have won a game or two? Sure. But Trevor, to your point, and this is something I've tried to drive home on past podcasts, certainly I think a lot of it was during the regular season last year when so many people were like, Look at the Colts, they're hot, they're gonna get on a run. I'm like, guys, we don't know about Carson Winston one and done football. We don't. Nope. And now we still don't know him. I thought it was <laughs> such a big, big hurdle for him to get to the postseason and just experience it. This is what life is like on this stage because now you've had Joe Burrow experience it in the AFC. So now you throw him into the ring of the Allens and the Mahomes and the Lamar Jacksons of guys that have experienced it in the AFC uh, on varying, various levels there. And now, no matter what happens next year, let's, for some crazy reason Carson Wentz is back, which, again, I don't think is going to happen, we would still have that sort of unknown Throughout the regular season, one can make the argument is that uh, that game against the Raiders and the Jaguars that was your test of a playoff. A great point. That's a great point. 
Scary uh, point. Brent is next. How do you feel about trading for Gardner Minshew? If we can get better at receiver, maybe he is someone to pull us out of quarterback hell. Please keep in mind that I'm asking this in the context that none of the big names are really going to be available. Which is very fair by, by Brent. I you know, I kind of look at it like this, Eddie. With Gardner Minshew, you might move from like the kids' table in hell to the adult table in hell. <laughs> you yeah. know, but you're still in hell. Like, it, yeah. So, I don't know. I with my palate, I'd rather be at the kids' table. I'm more of a chicken nugget guy. To be honest <laughs> with you, I was so happy when I saw those in the freezer the other day. Um, Brent of the uh, the realistic op. You know, I mentioned you last week on the radio. I think you were. Yeah, I think. Maybe you're filling out. I, I kind of forget at this point. It's probably Josh. Um, well, I, this is actually when I was on with Dan. I mentioned uh, Marcus Mariota. You know, like, he's won a road playoff game. <laughs> Again, I, it doesn't get you out of hell, but does it get you? I'm a big believer in when you know the answer is no on the quarterback, you don't run it back. You either go with a Band-Aid that has Super Bowl capability or you go draft. And, again, I know the draft this year doesn't offer a whole lot, but yeah, Minshew's been weird. He was okay in Philly, right? I think I bet on him one Monday night game. I didn't. I didn't love what I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that's where I'm going with that one. That's how we judge everything right? nowadays. <laughs> Last one from David. Do you think the mindset of the changes in the offseason would be the same if the Colts made the playoffs and got blown out in the first round compared to the loss to the Jaguars? in the season finale yeah david this is a good question um maybe the venom is a bit less but i also think this eddie and i I think that's about the pacers this season sometimes you need a kick in the you know what to realize what your actual change is what is necessary and i think the pacers and the colts in different ways got harsh reality this year and i mentioned before i think it's it'll be the first time in my lifetime they both have missed the playoffs that's it's insane. Yeah. In the same year. Um, but in sports, sometimes it is a step back to go a step forward. And I, I, I do think that, you know, when I read the needs and articles I wrote this time last year, Eddie, and it sounds eerily similar to what the needs are this time this year, that is scary. Um, so I, I, I'm curious, David, would the mindset of the changes in the offseason, would it be the same if you got blown out in the first round of the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. I think the embarrassment, I don't think Jim Mercer's venom would be at the level it is. I agree. Making the playoffs, having a chance is something. But having said that, I'd like to think you could see through that, but sometimes you can't or you don't want to see through it. Happy Miracle on Ice Day 42 years ago today, the oh. U.S. Men's ice hockey team defeated the soviet union and the miracle on ice also that ended the, the 1980 winter olympics also the 42 year anniversary of my parents engagements shout out to bruce bowen going on a knee 42 years ago yeah shout out to the bowen hey there we go without that uh i ain't here um eddie garrison <laughs> i'm glad i'm here i'm glad you are here thank you for stepping up as always anytime job anytime um, combine again next week. So probably I'm thinking Wednesday, kind of on a late morning, late afternoon for the pod. We'll hear from Chris Bauer and Frank Reich next week, but that's kind of what I'm targeting um, for next week's 
podcast. Everybody have a great week. Uh, March is here. Or is One final note that I have is uh, free agent, or not free agent, franchise tag window day open today. Yeah. I don't expect the Colts to use it. Uh, Pat McAfee, 2013, Eddie, the last time they've used it. Colts have never been very active there, but that is something to watch to see which names uh, come off the free agent list. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.